What is up, everybody? This is Tyler. This is Danny. And this is Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies, as per always. This week will be Cocaine Bear. We do not have any cocaine in studio, unfortunately, because that's a rich man's drug. Also, buying cocaine in Montana means you're almost guaranteed to get half meth. Oh, no thanks. So I'm good on that noise. Stick with my weed. Not that I don't like cocaine. A couple times I've tried it. I get it. I like it. Don't turn into a crazy bear on it, but we'll get to that. <laughs> right on. But the first part of it is we're here to get stoned and then talk about horror movies. So let's get to our green hits. Danny, this is delicious. The little bit that I've already been token on this. What did you bring for me today? Okay, so I changed it up a little bit, went over to our friends at Mile High here in town and picked up a Dutch treat joint. Mm. And with that being said... Dutch Treat is a popular cross of the descendants Northern Lights, which is an indica skunk, potent hybrid, and Haze, which is one of the most popular sativas of all time. Now, outside of Holland, Dutch Treat is more popular out here in the Pacific Northwest and Southwest United States. Some of the THC levels, sometimes they range between 18% to about 25%. Over at Mile High, this one's coming in at a little over 20%. Terpenes aren't really high on this one, about one half percent. Not really sure because it didn't really specify, but based off the aromas and flavors, if you want to get some of the blueberry, piney, and sweet flavors, and the aromas, like I said, are, are basically the same. For this one, this is good for people who suffer from ADHD, PTSD, migraines, and arthritis. And because of its indica-dominant, like, couch-lock sensations, that's more of your body. But in the high, it's a little bit more cerebral in terms of, like, euphoria, and you'll feel a little bit upbeat. All right. Today, I also switched it up, did not go to flower. I went back over to top shelf because it had been a bit, and it's almost the exact same amount of walking distance. <laughs> so I didn't have to go super out of my way, just down an extra block or two. <laughs> there you are, yeah. And over only one block instead of two blocks. Those two shops are like two blocks from each other. Yeah, they're really close. And picked up some dosy candy. Now, if you try to search for dosy candy, it seems to not exist. But it is one of those strains that's really easy to figure out by its name. It's Dosey Dose with Candy Kush. Dosey Dose is a cross of Face Off and GSC. And Candy Kush is a cross of OG Kush and Trainwreck, making this slightly indica dominant. And from top shelf, it's coming in at something like 26%. THC and 2.35% total terpenes with the most being limonene and pinene. I was having a hard time reading that for a second. <laughs> I've already been smoking on it too bit too much today. Actually, no, I haven't been, I haven't tried that at all. I also picked up some uh, grape Kool-Aid flour from them that I've been smoking on today. That's been pretty good, but not as good tasting as you would think from the name, but right. definitely doing the fucking job. There so you go. I've been fucking stupid all day. <laughs> anyway, we'd like to remind people to hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash fried squirms at the lowest level. You could have been listening to this last week, that middle level, you get our Patreon exclusive episodes, especially our regulars where we've been taking a look back through our catalog episode by episode, revisiting these movies sometimes for the first time in six or plus years. And then at the top level, you got access to, like, the Discord and shit. Oh, yeah. Hit us up. Say hey. We'd be like, hey. Everybody would be like, doing? hey. <laughs> and, you know, we'll all love that. Exactly. So, patreon.com slash fried squirms. I said let's get into the guts and bolts of Cocaine Bear. Guts and bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts, Cocaine Bear, who and what went into the making of this movie. Let's start off spoiler-free. We'll get into spoilers later. To start off a setup for this movie in case you don't know what a cocaine bear is. It's in the title. Cocaine Bear. No, here's the thing. If you're online at all, you probably already know the premise for the story because of how often it gets shared around of the black bear that ate a ton of cocaine when it got dumped out of a plane. So wild. When a narcotics operative turned drug smuggler dumped a bunch and then accidentally died when he jumped out and his shoot didn't work. And then they later found this bear next to a 
with like a blown out heart next to a bunch of torn open cocaine. It's <laughs> a lot. Well, this is the fictional version of what that bear got up to. It's about as good as you get without spoiling anything, right? So with that being said, we do like to talk about our cast and crew. And this week, we've got a director, Elizabeth Banks, also actress, of course. But a few films that she's actually known for directing are Movie 43. She helped with the middle school date segment. She directed Pitch Perfect and Charlie's Angels, which is really neat. All right. Uh, writers on this is uh, Jimmy Warden. The only other film of note that he's known for is The Babysitter, Killer Queen, which is a sequel to The Babysitter. All right, cinematographer on this is John Gilsarian. He's known for Tim and Eric Awesome Show, Good Job, the television series from 2007 through 2009. He helped DP the film About Time, An American Pickle, and a film actually we saw at the theater, Candyman. Oh, shit. Cool. Yeah. All right, editor on this is Joel Negron. A few things of note from Joel. A lot of cool films. This is why I had to go through it. So let's start in 1999. He helped edit a little film called Sleepy Hollow. Then in 2002, he helped on the film Triple X. He helped on 2005's films House of Wax and Man of the House. Right? Helped on 2006's The Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning and Gridiron Gang. Okay. Also helped on The Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, 2010's The Karate Kid, 21 Jump Street, Pain and Gain. He helped on the 2014 Hmm. uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, I never did watch Pain and Gain, but I wanted to. Those trailers look pretty decent. Pretty funny. I know, right? 2016's The Shallows. He also helped on 2017's Thor Ragnarok. And he's got the upcoming Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Cool. Yeah, some really cool works there. All right, we've got music by Mark Mothersbaugh. Now, this is a really cool guy. Uh, One of the founding members. When a soundtrack comes along, you must whip it. Yeah, I know, right? Actually, a little side nugget I saw a Devo. Oh, shit. Back in like 2000, I want to say it was like 2007, something like that. There was this, <laughs> there was a sh- very short-lived like once they did it one time, a festival called Fire Lake Festival in Cowpens, South Carolina, of all places. But uh, my buddy was working at Sam's Club. One of the vendors had some extra tickets, hooked us up, got to see Devo. You know that if you go up on their official website and try to buy the Devo hats, those motherfuckers are like 65 bucks a piece. Wow. You can probably just go to any random ass. You can go down to store. Joanne's and fucking make that uh, shit. As I'm saying, yeah, for a few bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, right, those little tangents, Mark Mothersbaugh, a few things of note from him as far as like scoring and things like that. This uh, is the actually really Rugrats cool. theme? Yes. This is the, some of the stuff that blew my mind. He actually helped with the Super Mario World. 1991 TV theme. Oh, okay. I was like, holy shit. He helped with the liquid television, which was on MTV back in the early 90s, the 1991 like theme for that. He also helped on Beekman's World from 1992. I was like, Yo, what? I dug me some Beekman's World. Beekman's World was the shit, dude. A few things of no outside of that. He helped on the Mr. Potato Head show from 1998, which is really neat. Rocket Power from 1999. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissau, Popeye's Voyage, The Sims Part 2, Eureka, the TV theme for that. Yeah, Thor oh, Ragnarok. We talked about some uh, Blue Mountain State last episode. He did some BMS. I see that. You know what else is really cool? I know you'll like this. He helped on What We Do in the Shadows as well from 2019 through 2020. I think he's just started working with Taika because he also ah, did Our Flag Means Death. That is really cool. So, yeah, it's just a few things of note from there. And another. Interesting little side nugget. One of the bandmates, I can't remember the exact name, but they all met at Kent State. And that was actually during the time period where the, uh, was it the National Guard came out and shot oh. those kids? Yeah, and one of the band members had two friends that were shot in that incident, which is wild. So, anyhow. Yeah, special effects teams. We got quite a few, but not too many. We got Weta Effects, which is owned by a little hobbit loving mother sucker. You know what that effects team needs to finish up? Yeah, I do. <laughs> How many years now? When did he announce that we were getting those four films in I 4K? I feel like we've been talking about this since we've done the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> but uh, we have Rising Sun Pictures, Myth Image, Lola Visual Effects, and Exceptional Minds. And they all helped either with visual effects or additional visual effects. 
All right, this was produced by Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, Elizabeth Banks, Max Hendelman, Brian Duffield, and Aditya Sood. We have production companies Lord Miller Productions, Brownstone Productions, and Jurassic Party Productions. Now, Lord and Miller are directors themselves. Mm-hmm. They did, like, Lego Movie and 21 Jump Street. Yeah, some really cool stuff. There's some funny motherfuckers. Oh, well, yeah. Like, so you look yeah. at their filmography. <laughs> All right, the distributor on this was Universal Pictures. Yeah, with the 2023 United States theatrical release. Had a release date here in the States, February 24th, 2023. Had a budget of an estimated 30 to $35 million, and it grossed $89.3 million worldwide. And the tagline I have on this, now think about the name of the film, Get in Line. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so moving into the cast of Cocaine Bear, I'm going to start with Carrie Russell, plays the role of Sari in this film. A few things of note from her. Uh, she was in 1992's Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, a film I highly recommend, a 90s comedy, a teen comedy. It's called Eight Days a Week. It's actually really good. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, she was also in We Were Soldiers. She was in Mission Impossible Part 3, August Rush. She was also in Leaves of Grass, which is another actually pretty good film with Edward Norton. It's a movie about marijuana. Uh, mm. She was in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes from 2014 and Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Another film I actually want to check out is Antlers, which looks pretty decent. I heard some decent things about it. You know, I never watched the show, but she'll probably always be remembered as Felicity. Right. And that was late 90s, 98 through 2002. She was also part of the Americans, which is going to be a common refrain with some of these actors and actresses coming up. I still haven't watched it. I've only heard amazing shit. Likewise. So I'm kind of curious. We'll see what happens. All right. Moving forward, we've got Alden Ehrenreich. plays the role of Eddie. A few things to note from him. He was in the film Tetro, in the film Twixt. He was also a part of the film Beautiful Creatures. Some people might have seen him in Stoker. He was also part of Hail Caesar. Some people might know him as Han Solo for Solo, a Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. And he was also a part of Brave New World, a television series from 2020. I think he's done like some other little spot appearances in several other television shows as well. So you might have seen him do little cameo appearances here and there. All right, we've got O'Shea Jackson, a.k.a. And so it's the, the son of the president of Raider Nation. Yeah, man, right? Ask Coop. <laughs> this is Junior right here. Yeah, this is a little baby ice cube. I know, it's really cool, uh, which makes sense, but uh, he plays the role of David. The reason I say it makes sense because he played his dad in Straight Out of Compton. <laughs> and kills it. Right. I mean, come on. He is his dad in that movie. Probably not too hard to imitate, <laughs> yeah. right? All right. He was also in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and some people might have seen him in Obi-Wan Kenobi, the television series from 2022. All right, we've got a huge-time actor. This is one of his last roles, if I'm not mistaken, but we have Ray Liotta plays the role of Sid, as if he needs an introduction. But where do you want to start, man? Um, Maybe Uh, A Field of Dreams from 89. Yeah, Shoeless Joe Jackson. It's it's probably not the first film I've seen of him, but it's definitely one I remember. Goodfellas. Yeah, Henry Come on, dude. That was like back-to-back years, right? Yeah, I mean, that's killer. How about Operation Dumbo Drop? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, that's probably the first place I saw him. Which is funny, because remember, that's a Disney film. Mm -hmm. had a bunch of like... Well-known actors. I don't think it was like a, a huge success, but I remember it. If, right. For me, it probably would have been Operation Dumbo Drop and then Copland, mm. actually. that's Yeah, Copland was pretty good. How about Hannibal from 2001? That, that's probably his Another most one. memorable role for me. If Either that or him voicing Tommy Versetti in Vice City. That's a good point, too. I'm just looking through some other ones. That, some bigger one. Let's see here. Uh, Smoking Aces, which is uh, pretty decent. Blow. Wild, yeah, Blow, Wild Hogs. Yeah, Youth and Revolt. I remember that one. <laughs> Michael Sarah. He's been in a couple of Muppets movies too, man, which is kind of interesting. Sin City, A Dame to Kill For. Really cool. Yeah, a, lot, a couple of things in television too. Uh, Shades of Blue, 36 episodes there. Like you said, he lent his voice in some video games as well. Oh, my God. Here he's in some the, music videos. He's in the goddamn... Yobagoya episode of The League. I fucking love The League. And yeah. that episode really stands out just because of goddamn go Yobagoya. Yobagoya, 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 Yobagoya. Nice. All right. We've got Isaiah Whitlock Jr. plays the role of Bob. A few things of note from Isaiah. He's been actually some really cool films as well. He was in Gremlins Part 2, The New Batch as a fireman. He was also in Goodfellas, right? He was uh, in- The Wire. 
He's yeah, Clay dude. Davis in the wire. I think that's probably his more yeah. notable role. It was in uh, the 25th Hour, Pieces of April, She Hate Me, Dwayne Hopwood, uh, Enchanted was really cool, Brooklyn's Finest, yeah, Cedar Rapids. It's actually a pretty decent film. Europa Report, Cars Part 3, where your voice rolled, uh, River Scott. Yeah, he was in Chips, you already mentioned. The Wire. He was, yeah, in The Chappelle Show uh, for an episode. It was really cool. Lucifer. Jesus, Atlanta. Yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. Also voiced the local population in Grand Theft Auto V. Mm. So that's kind of neat. All right. A few other actors and actresses. We've got Brooklyn Prince, who plays the role of Dee Dee. A few things of note. She was in The Florida Project. You might have heard her voice in The Lego Movie Part Two, the second part. Also, her voice in The Angry Birds Movie Two. The film The Turning and the television series Home Before Dark from 2020 through 2021. All right, we got Christian Convery, plays the role of Henry. We watch these movies twice before doing these episodes generally. I got through this whole the whole first watching without realizing that I have watched hours of this kid because he's the lead in Sweet Tooth and fucking kills in that show on Netflix. That's awesome. You know, which is, I think it's still running, if I'm not mistaken. All right, he was also in the film Beautiful Boy and Playing with Fire. Right, we've got Margot Martindale plays the role of Ranger Liz. Talk about somebody who's got a really cool career. Let's go back to 1990 where she was in Days of Thunder. Now, that's going to make sense, right, because of another film that's going to show up a little bit later because there's an actor that's in that in terms of Days of Thunder. That's also in the upcoming film. Okay. All right, she was in 1991's The Rocketeer. Some people might have seen her in 1993's The Firm. She was in Ghosts of Mississippi. Some people might have seen her in such things as like 28 Days. She was in The Hours. Million Dollar Baby. You might have seen her in Paris. Uh, Je t'aime. Walk she, Hard. Mm-hmm. Ma Cox, yeah, because... Wrong kid dad. John C. Riley was in Days of Days Thunder of, as well. That's yeah, right. Yeah, which is pretty wild. All right, she was in Hannah Montana, the movie. So for some of our listeners who are a little bit younger, you might have seen her in that wrong kid died wrong kid died <laughs> yeah also in cars part three where she voices louise barnstormer nash some television which includes a show i watched dexter where she starred as camilla fig which is really neat some other things of note she was also part of the americans as claudia so like i said she's one of those that'll keep appearing here in just a little bit all right we've got jesse tyler ferguson actually a guy from here in missoula wasn't raised here for long, but he is from Missoula. Was really oh, neat. shit. Yeah, he plays Peter. A few things of note from him. He was in the film Ordinary Sinner, the film Untraceable, the film Wonderful World. He also voiced Shangri-Lama in Ice Age Collision Course. And more notably, he was in Modern Family from 2009 through 2020. And we have Christopher Highview, who plays the role of Olaf for Peter. And a few things of note from him. He was in The Thing, also Game of Thrones from 2013 through 2019, which I think I would hope more people know from that, and The Fate of the Furious. All right, we have Hannah Hoekstra plays the role of Elsa. A few things to note from her, she was in Hemel, the film The Canal. Actually, it looks pretty decent, Irish horror film. She's in the, uh, the movie The Fury, and she's also in Charlie's Angels. All right, we have Ayula Smart. She plays the role of Officer Reba. She was in the film Juliet Naked. She was in Killing Eve, which is a television show from 2020, and the television show Smother from 2021 through 2022. All right, we've got Aaron Holiday plays the role of Stash. A few things of note from him. He was in the film Moxie and Sharp Objects television show from 2018. J.B. Moore plays the role of Vest. Now, these are all the Duchamp guys. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. All right, Vest, he was in Code of Silence in Young Wallander from 2022. And we also have Leo Hanna plays the role of Ponytail. He was in the film Wolf and About Joan, which is kind of a coincidence. All right, we have Kayun Gim. She was Beth in the film. Mm. She was in the film Freaky Friday. Some people might have seen her in American Gods from 2019. She was also in We Bear Bears, which is an animated cartoon series from 2016 through 2019. We've got Scott Size, who plays well Tom. He's angry an angry Ikea guy? Dude, that dude is so funny. That guy is so fucking funny, when especially because we work retail. Which is why I was like, this dude is awesome because he, he does that shit about customer service mm -hmm. and retail. Yeah. And I mean, that's most notably what he's known for. And we have Matthew Reese who plays the role of Andrew C. Thornton. Now, he makes a cameo appearance, but he was also in the Americans 
opposite of Carrie Russell, oh, okay. right? So that's why he appears in this. But that pretty much rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. Should give our listeners some warnings. Warnings. Extensive <laughs> cocaine use. Yes, yes. Mostly by a bear, but not exclusively. <laughs> no, but we do have to mention because of that, there's also some children that... I was about to say child drug use? Yeah. I mean, yes, absolutely. Blood, gore, mostly... Some of it's more practical, I will say that, but I mean, there's say, some CGI as well. It's not an insane level of blood and gore. It's a lot more blood and gore than you would think from watching the trailer. Absolutely. So there is that. I mean, there's language, of course, <clears throat> violence, scum play, <clears throat> stuff like that. Surprisingly not. I'm trying to think. There was not any nudity that I can think no. of. Maybe some butt cheek. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, a little bit of butt cheek. A little, <laughs> little bit of Margot Martindale. <laughs> yes, yeah, a butt cheek. That's about it. I was gonna say, aside from that, yeah, that's that's about it. It's it's about what you would expect from a movie named Cocaine Bear. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what that's what we got. <laughs> uh, let's get into it and find out how Cocaine Bear made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? White lines <laughs> going through my mind. <laughs> that's such an appropriate song for this movie too. It did just. Make me think of Shaun of the Dead again, though. But yeah, solid point. Oh well, Cocaine Bear. I guess you had already seen this. Just to to do our history with it up front, and I hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, it, it hasn't been out all that long. No, it hasn't. Like I said, it dropped back in February, so I'd seen it. I don't think we saw it opening weekend. It might have been like a week or two after. Okay, something like that. So, but yeah, still pretty fun at the theater. I can't say that much. Yeah. Yeah, you've been telling me this entire time that you think I would enjoy it. So verdict is, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was yeah. a fun movie. I think it would be more fun to watch with somebody. Absolutely. Like both of my watches were by myself, and I enjoyed the movie, but I think it would be a lot better to... I think that it is kind of better served as a theater film, you know, mm-hmm. with people who are, kind of, you know, like-minded, and you know you're kind of going in <laughs> with some chuckles and also... A, in hopes of it being a little bit more than advertised. Yeah, and that's like, I wasn't ever disappointed in this movie, but there were points where just as an avid movie watcher, I was like, well, I enjoyed that, but yeah, I think this would have played a lot better in a room. Like, oh, I think no. this part would have just like made the entire room cackle <laughs> and it would have just heightened the experience a little well, bit. You've been to the films or the theater with our friend Alex, mm-hmm. and you know how animated he can get. Yes. Well, he was one of the guys I went with, so. <laughs> he, yeah. How to best describe this for anybody? He's not annoying. No. He reacts appropriately, but he's <laughs> on the loud, exuberant end of appropriate. Yeah, I agree. He just like he's still within that range. <laughs> yeah, and it makes but me he's giggle. pushing the edge of that range. Yeah, and I like it. It's just it's funny because he'll he'll have like a, a loud cackle. Right, it's like it's funny, or he might uh might poot a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff is funny. Also, I guess it's weird. I kind of appreciate the fact that this movie is. Kind of just the trailers. Yeah. If you want to see the movie that was shown to you in those trailers, they give it to you. Nothing more, but yeah. nothing less. I agree. And I kind of like that. I kind of <laughs> liked knowing what I was getting into. You always hope that they'll give you a little bit more than that. But I was already excited to watch this movie because of the trailers. I know. Just the trailer alone and the premise... It's like, man, that sounds just the name of alone. It's just like, ah, all right, I'm, I'm kind of already buying into it, you know. Um, cocaine bear, <laughs> right? I do. I feel just because, like, I did this a little bit for the last episode too. I will defend a little bit. Like, man, this is barely a horror movie, but it's definitely a comedy horror. I agree. Um, I feel like. When you break down the role that the bear has in this, it's kind of a mix between like a Jaws and a Godzilla archetype. I would argue it leans just a little bit more towards Godzilla, right? Just not, not entirely. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I listened a little bit 
to what Elizabeth Banks had to say, and she said she she kind of likes to write comedies and drop them in the middle of a genre mm. film, you know, in this mm-hmm. case, a horror. So, you know, it's it is a more of a, a horror comedy or comedy horror, however you want to describe it, you know. And then the it leans heavy into the action side too. It does because you it have does. to be able to get away from the cocaine bear. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a bit of survival instincts there. So. It's one of those, it's a weird thing where like the action side is kind of needed because otherwise you're not highlighting the bear and you're not highlighting what it takes to get away from the bear. Without a doubt, especially when that is on cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's higher stakes at play here. Getting straight into it, I wonder how much fucking what's his name? Tormund Giant Spain. Uh, he played Olaf this. Yeah, Peter. I wonder how much that was really <laughs> nerdy stunt casting. Because, deep cut, I don't remember if this was brought up in the show, but in the books, Tormund Giantsbane supposedly raped a bear. Oh, damn, that's funny. <laughs> I mean, not funny, but it's it, that's interesting. He tells Jon Snow a story about it when they're up on the wall together. Hey, I'm going to re- <laughs> I'm gonna have to recheck that one out. So I wonder how much that was like down low, like stunt casting. For those who know, they know. Right. And if that is the case, it would not be surprising either. Really, it wouldn't. But it's a neat touch. Also, he's just the coolest guy. Yeah, I think if you've seen him in any role... Or even in his role as, you know, Tormund. Yeah, it's like, dude, how can you not like him? Yeah. I, the, the commercials he was doing for a bit, likable. Just Charm City. Yeah, I agree. Uh, follow him on Insta. Seems to be a great guy. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice to see him get these roles and, you know, enjoy it. I like how they kind of, in the first half of this movie, hold off from showing all the destruction that the bear is causing. Like, we do get some blood and gore later on, and some of it's kind of gnar, <laughs> but some of it they also cut away from. Some of it I wish we would have got to see more, but I'm okay with the fact that we don't. Yeah. They do it in a way where I'm like, oh, they just, you know, we got cheated. It was like, oh, no, that's fine. They don't have to. Ooh, I right. get it. But. And that's kind of how I felt, too. It's like, yeah, we got some decent moments here and there. You know, it served its purpose. It didn't need to go any further, necessarily. Nah. Going further kind of... It's not like dark and black comedies aren't a thing. We've talked about them on the show before. But the kind of comedy this movie was going for wouldn't have been served by going that much more extreme. Yeah, I agree with that. So that shit was pretty fucking funny in the beginning with the dude hurling all the fucking coke out the plane. I wasn't expecting that shit. (laughs) That really sets the tone of the film, you know. And there's a part of me that was hoping... That that was a Paul Rudd character. Same. Looked kind of ruddy, right? Right. But knowing that, you know, the actors, Matthew Reese, and he works with Kerry Russell and, and, you know, Margot on The Americans, it's like, okay, that makes sense. But regardless, it's interesting because that's the same opening song for Wet Hot American Summer. Jane. Oh, shit. Elizabeth Banks happens to be in that. And Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, that would make perfect sense why you would choose Paul Rudd. But, I mean, I understand why they didn't. As well. Understand why they didn't. It was a very ruddy character. And I had to take a look for a second. I'm like, is that? I was kind of hoping to, right? Yeah, from the get, I know I already called him it once, but as soon as O'Shea Jackson's on screen, it's just like fucking Ice Cube. I know, dude. It's really cool seeing him in this role and just in general, right? Here's two things I did want to bring up. I thought it was kind of interesting because being a product of the 80s, you can't help but notice it, where... They had the those drug PSAs, those commercials they were showing. That shit was fucking wild. I was like, it was complete throwback. Dude. But also hilarious. It really is. It's it's like when you see it, of course, from the you know, from a different perspective, it's like, wow. Okay. But not just that, it's like this was kind of the start of the war on drugs, mm-hmm. you know. 
I also had to mention the fact that they did show, like, McGruff, the crime dog, a poster. They also show, like, the D.A.R.E. program. So mm. I don't know if you were familiar with those yeah, and all that shit. Both but, like, of them. man, that really brings back some memories of uh, some weird, like, I don't know. You can call it what you want, but I was like, they were really pumping that stuff back then. Oh, God, I can't remember for what, but the voice of McGruff ended up getting put away. It's wild, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but all those things is like, man, yeah, when you don't think about them for a while and you see them or they're being referenced in this case, it's like, whoa, that's, for me, that's kind of a deep cut. Another thing I appreciated about this movie, and there's some definite, like, jokes, mm-hmm. but they also slip in some subtle stuff. That oh, a Dusty Beaver one was a good line. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I think my my favorite thing in the back, like... It doesn't play into anything in the movie. It's not a joke in the movie, but I also feel like they chose this location for a very specific reason. And when, like, middle of the movie, when the dudes call in to find out about his dog. Yeah. The billboard in the background. Oh, I definitely wrote that. That was my second. <laughs> that was my second thing I wanted to bring up. But, yeah, no, for sure. Cagney's like, Caverns. Dude, visit the original glory hole. They, they did it twice. It was the first time... When, was it, Dew was on the phone? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he came with Bob, yeah, checking in with the dog. So it was twice they showed it. But, yeah, there was nothing else beyond that. It was just the fact that they, the original glory hole. But you know they chose it because of the joke. Of course. How can you not? <laughs> Here's the other thing I appreciate about this movie. Hackney's Caverns. I feel like it would have been very easy to tweak this script and force it to be PG-13. Mm. And they don't. That's true. There's a lot of fucks. There's kids doing drugs. <laughs> yeah, there's some some choice moments with some... I don't know, it's just the, the things they choose to do with the film, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. It's, it is some of the humor. It's the, like, so the choices of how, <laughs> how they were going to show some of the gore and, and <laughs> some of the wild shit that goes on in the film. And we know how this business is. Like, if it would have took off as a PG-13, no guarantee it would have took off as a PG-13. I feel like part of what made this movie what it is is the fact that they go more for the R. But if it took off as a PG-13, it probably would have made $100 million more. Ooh, I know that's a wild idea to think of, like, as a studio or producer or director or whomever's like do we go for the bucks because that'd be an easy thing because it's because it's not a super hard r there's it's some really of the not. blood some of the gore is kind of gnar well there's more fucks than a pg-13 would allow if but. they were to show this on tv i'm sure there's a lot of things that they could still show and cut at the same time mm-hmm. so make a pg-13 it would probably be fine it'd be fine right it wouldn't be quite as good it'd be missing no. something and it, it'd be hard to tell what that something is until those were put back in <laughs> like if that was all yeah. that was the only version you ever watched you would probably still like the movie right i mean i'd still check it out if it were on tv or something but but then it would, it would kind of blow you away to see just that the little bit extra the little bit <laughs> oh more gosh <clears throat> yeah and that would be the interesting take is seeing like the pg-13 version and then go in and watch the rated r version and see the difference from that and not saying that there is a p i just feel like no no, no. Watching this if, movie, if there were yeah even when i was going through it i was like you wouldn't have to change much and i'm surprised they because of that that they didn't make them do that to go for the the bigger dollar yeah that's kind of the standpoint i was thinking i was like but you know i mean i'm kind of glad it's like no we want to do the project we want to do and they still made a nice return you can't yeah. argue that Look, if nothing else, like, they made money back, for sure. Yeah, they at least doubled whatever they put into it. But, like, this movie had buzz. Like, I'm curious what it's been doing streaming. Mm. Because people wanted to see this. This was a movie that was getting talked about just because of the title. That's a good point. I mean, it was on this was like This was almost, almost snakes on a plane level. Yeah, that's a solid point, too. I can't argue that. And... (laughs) Even if people haven't seen the movie, they know what you're talking about when you say Cocaine Bear. Uh, oh, yeah, that movie about me. Like, yes, the name kind of implies itself. I'm not going to say it's like an instant cult classic, but I would say it's destined to be a cult hit. Hmm. 
yeah, I think for the years more, to come. The more that the years pass by, within a decade or so, it'll definitely be talked about in those circles. And it's not going to ever be held up as like the greatest cult movie of all time, but I f- truly feel like it's never going to die at this point. No, Just it's... from being it, Cocaine it's, Bear. It's definitely a, a cult classic in the making. The other fucking little subtle <laughs> joke that I thought was fucking hilarious was when homies stealing the stuff from the desk and being like, oh, what's that perfume and shit? And she's all fucking, oh, yeah, it's European. I got somebody coming by. And when Missoula boy pops in the door with his Smokey, he comes in and he's like, told you it's big. And just the fucking look, like the look up Margot Martindale gives, and she's like, Oh, yeah, I'm hoping it is, big boy. <laughs> well, so there's some subtle things they have in their conversation. Like, they're talking about certain, you know, like, creatures that could get into the trash cans or whatever. And I said, she makes, he makes mention of, like, a beaver or a dusty beaver. And she talks, she, she like, replies. She's like, oh, yeah, trying mm-hmm. to get that worked out or something like that. <laughs> she says something like that. I'm like, this is funny. Here's they something. do a really good job at keeping their, I think... Their interactions are some of the best subtle humor. Like you have to I be agree. like paying attention. Because I'll tell I you like what, that, my man. first time through this movie, I did have a little bit of a hard time paying attention. I, I I liken this movie earlier to kind of a Godzilla movie, and it's partially because of my first experience with it. It's not that I wasn't having a good time. It was just that it was so much more interesting whenever the bear was on screen compared to off screen. The second time through, when I'm sitting there having to do my notes, then I started catching those subtle little jokes that they were throwing through. And I was like, that's when I started thinking, I'm like, man, I wish I would have caught this in a theater where I wouldn't have been as distracted, just sort of like in it, in the experience with a bunch of other people catching all this together. There were definitely moments because, you know, I can I can relate that experience where it wasn't like a packed theater. I mean, it was Mm -hmm. over the Roxy. We wouldn't seen it at. But um yeah, there were moments in the film where, yeah, those little jokes or gags or, you know, those practical effect moments where you, you hear the gasp and the giggles and, you know, and it kind of does put you right back in the film, you know, where most people can relate, right? We have all this technology around us. There's so many distractions, right? It can mm-hmm. pull you right out. So I totally get that, right? Because there was moments watching this film, too, where I'm kind of, like, getting distracted and all that other shit. I'm like, no, I'm not. Not like you're not enjoying it. No, and it has nothing to do with the film itself. It has more to do with, like, my attention span, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? Like, except for those aforementioned reasons, we have... Not that it's an excuse, but, I mean, that's... It's a good part of the reason why it's like, oh, it's easy to pick up your phone and just start fucking doing whatever. All right, we've mentioned a few times... The fucking kids eating cocaine. I was kind of fucking rolling it. <laughs> so that was one of those moments in the theater where it's like, yeah, those kids start doing that. You're like, holy shit. You can't help but like, okay, these kids are going to get fucked here in a little bit. When he, even when he's just like, I don't know, a tablespoon's worth, and she loads up all of that shit on the fucking knife, I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Well, that's kindly the point, too, because... You know, these kids are super naive about what, not only what the drug is, but, like, how much you're supposed to take. Whereas adults in the theater are like, wow. <laughs> and I just, I'm, I'm used to it being a lot more powdery on the street. It's like kids is, I, I give him credit because he's just riffing and he's, he's making these little jokes. And they're pretty decent. I think you'll know. I don't think he's quite there. But I think it's also because he's just a slightly different quality. But this kid's almost like Finn Wolfhard level for mm. me. Mm. Yeah, he's got a I slightly different quality to him. Right. It's hard to, it's not quite apples and oranges, but it's also not comparing apples to apples either. No, I gotcha. It's it's somewhere, he's a little bit younger, of course. Mm-hmm. And I think give him some time and maybe some more roles like this. He could easily just kind of fit right into it or slip right into it. I feel like he might be coming around at just the right time because based on almost nothing, to be honest, but just like the vibe I get from the kid and watching him act, I feel like he's the type of kid that would grow up to do really well in like 
early 2000s teen sex comedies. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And because things are cyclical, those will probably be coming back around about the time so. that he's old enough for. I really hope so, because I miss a lot of those styles of comedies, mm-hmm. man. There was, I mean, you know, now it's kind of, uh, it can be It's not upon. like they've ever went away, but no, there was like a heyday for that shit. Oh my gosh. No, you're really you're really right about that. It is very cyclical, because uh, you, you can relate it back to maybe like late 70s, early 80s kind yeah, of. Porkies and shit like that. Right. And then early 2000s, and then now it's kind of like, oh, we're in the 2020s. It's mm-hmm. about right for that again, so we'll see. But I agree, like, this kid would fit right into that. I think, yeah, for whatever the the vibe he gives, I think he could fucking kill mm-hmm. some of that shit. He'd give the line reading. He'd yeah. give the lines just perfect. I, I'm down if he's down. <laughs> he's a like, fucking pretty boy to fit in. Yeah, and, it'd be perfect, man. He'd fit right in that role. Uh, here's Whether that, or not he wants to do it, I have no idea. Right. It's it's entirely up to him yeah. and whoever cast and all that shit. But here's something I did want to bring up because I noticed it the second time. I wasn't really paying attention the first time. But the second time I was like, ah, it's not a big deal. It's really not. It's just like because we're reviewing, you know, we're quote unquote critical. I had to point it out. It's when David Ice Cube Jr., <laughs> he's a. Uh, He's in the bathroom and those Duchamps are out there mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they have that altercation. He winds up getting stabbed in the back. Now, if you're watching it, if you're really paying attention, it's like you can tell where he did get stabbed, but they never show it. And oh. all the cuts of him getting, like, jumped on and knocking dudes out in the, into the stall and all that other stuff, you never see it. They never show the cut of it. You never – and not until he looks in the mirror and, like, mm, because that dude jumping on his back – there's no way. Well, it's like um, there's multiple times in this movie where the only reason people stay away from the bear for as long as they do is the magic of editing. And honestly, even though I noticed it, because of the mood that this movie was setting up, I kind of didn't care. Well, that's kind of the point, too. It's like it's so minor, it doesn't really fucking make a difference. But it was just like, mm-hmm. if you're looking for it for like continuity and stuff like that, it's like, mm. but like it doesn't really make a difference in the outcome of the film. Because like the first time the kids encounter the cocaine bear, they get caught within two seconds of starting to run. Yeah. Oh, what's, oh, dude. You know yeah. how quick fucking bears are? You saw how fast it got down from the one tree and back up the other. Those and how fast it was fucking chasing the ambulance. It was in, those kids are done. <laughs> And I don't know if you've ever, like, looked online of bears running. It's scary. Those fuckers are quick. Yeah, man, no thanks. Nuh-uh, not me. No. So, like, kids only get away through the magic of editing. <laughs> but you know what? I'm cool with it. Like, this right, isn't I the mean, type of movie where that, I'm looking to get the kids at. That, that's just it. It's like, there, there's a time and place for all that stuff, those wants. But in this case, yeah, it's a it's a more of a comedy than it is a horror. But it has those elements, once again. So, you know, the outcomes are going to be a little bit different. So, what, the Duchamps or whatever, the yeah. dumbasses. <laughs> here's, so, here's the one thing. Mm, it's maybe my biggest criticism of, like, a plot point in this movie. And I get we've kind of ran into similar things in different movies, I feel like. And it's not, it's not the, once again, not the biggest criticism. Right. But... They're a group of delinquents who run across something that they know about because they're delinquents and stash it and go about the rest of their day instead of just making it their number one priority. That's a good point. Like, I used to hang out with a bunch of fucking delinquents. If we found kilos of coke. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The conversation immediately would have become. We need to get this out of the woods somewhere safe. And how can we start selling this and making some fucking money? That's wild to think that, too. Like, the amount. And if we found that much, it would also be like, so if we're each getting one of these for personal use and the rest is what we're selling, right? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know. I wouldn't know. But, (laughs) yeah, no, the point being is, like, dude, if anybody came across that, that amount... That would normally be your number one priority is like whether, you know, you want to like, you know, pursue <laughs> the chase, if you will, or like, hey, I need a whatever, whatever the circumstances are. Point being is like, that's a lot of shit to, to come across and just like, ah, 
I'm just going to come back to it later. We're going to put this up in the gazebo and come back later after we go commit other crimes to try to get money because we want to move to New York. Maybe. Which gets brought up multiple times in this movie, but we I, I, stashed the thing that could really I'd made say, us he, a lot. This of is money. this is me just totally reading way too much into it. But it's like maybe they were trying to build an alibi throughout the rest of the day. You know what I mean? It's like no, we were doing this and that and that. Why would we go back to the park? We've already been there, right? But but no, I mean that's no, that's like I said, reading way too into it. One second, it didn't actually take me out of the movie. But going right. back to the second time and when I was thinking about it, I'm like. Come on. You don't stash that. No. You, that's an immediately you take home. Like I said, and knowing those kids are delinquents already. Yeah, they know what they got. Absolutely. If the little kids knew what they got, then definitely those guys, those know, guys what they know. know. Yeah, come on. They're already living kind of on that border of that right. life. And they're a bunch of fucking art pop kids. They would have wanted to fucking <laughs> take some of that shit and just. I like how she says that too. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Art pop gets really. <laughs> it's just the choice of descriptors is really funny in this film. Oh, I did want to point out a gag that I noticed. It started with Elsa, where she gets her leg ripped off. Okay. And then tossed. And the next person is Peter in the tree. He gets his shit bit off and then he gets dumped on his head. And then Tom, the EMT guy, he didn't get his leg chopped off, but his wrist gets, like... Fucked up, yeah. Yeah, so there was a little bit of, like, a gag with limbs in this film. Maybe it's just something I was reading to once again, but I liked it. I was like, well, they kept it kind of consistent, like, the way it attacked. It was attacking, you know, I guess stuff that you can move around with, you know, or defend yourself with. You know, I already brought up the trailers once, but something else I was thinking about in conjunction with this movie Mm -hmm. is... The trailer moment still landed. And I thought that was neat. However, I don't know what makes it so that they were still able to land those moments. But even though I had heard those jokes before, because they're in the trailer, when it came up to that part of the movie, I still enjoyed it. I was still like, hey, shit, that's fucking funny. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Were you expecting or did you see Liz shoot in the back of dude Ponytail's head? Fuck no. <laughs> That was wild. <laughs> well, to be fair, a little bit to the film, it did give a little bit, if you will, warning because she was just shooting willy nilly over at Peter. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "We shoot at." Well, I I thought after she got fucking ponytail that she was for sure also going to get IKEA guy when they were in the back of the ambulance. I was like, I don't the want the way she her. shot. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't want her to be the one to shoot him. I like if if he's going out, I want him to get got by the bear. Yeah, and we got that. Uh, how about her getting... I really wanted him to survive, but I'm like, if yeah. he's going to get got, I don't want him to go out like Ponytail. No, 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 no. I'd be kind of a cheap kill for him. But I, especially at the theater, I was not anticipating seeing her getting flung out the back of the EMT and on her face. Dude, like, <laughs> face gurney was wild. And that's one of those ones where they could have shown us, mm-hmm. but I'm okay that they didn't. No, no, no. It's like it gave us just enough to where we didn't need to see any more than that. We already know what... It looked like hamburger meat. Um, it's a weird comparison because of the, the total tonal difference in these scenes. But it reminded me, and the fact that we don't actually see it, and that I was okay with it, of the sinister lawnmower. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. It's like, yeah, it, it's still effective because we know. It wasn't as much of a jump scare. No, no, But it was no. still completely unexpected. <laughs> like, you know whoa. what went on. Yes. And that's all you need. And I'm okay with that. It was a, it was a nice touch. Like, so you don't have to go over the top unless that's the whole point of your film. I mean, the, uh, this film is, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's already over the top, but. Oh, my God. And it's just, it's fucking hilarious because then at the end, when they're walking out of there, they walk by that shit. And Carrie Russell's just, don't look at that. And the kid's just like, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> And that kind of, it's a tie back into what he said earlier. He's like, you know, that kind of thing. If I feel like it just it stays with you for life. <laughs> oh, that was fucked up. Yeah, so I, there were things like that. It, and it makes me think of, like you were saying earlier, like the whole experience at the theater and how those things were landing and how people were responding to it and how 
it affects you as a audience member as well. You know, like I said, I enjoy films, of course, by myself at home. They just hit a little different. And I know mm-hmm. that now just because we can, we can, you know, compare and contrast the difference. We've been at so many different <laughs> viewings of both at home and at the theater now. So, so the other big thing that I completely didn't expect kind of two rolled into one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all kind of one part of the same big drawn out sequence, I guess completely didn't expect. Although I guess weirdly, maybe I should have because there is some weird mirroring going on in this movie, but I didn't think that the bear cubs were also going to get high on Coke. <sighs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, we don't just have kids kid doing coke. No, but you're right. There is some mirroring with Carrie Russell and, and the mama, the mama bear. bear. Yes, absolutely. There is some mirroring there. I even noticed that the first time I watched it. It's like, yeah, there's definitely mirroring there. Well, I didn't think about it the first time through, but even the first time you see the bear rear up in the movie, mm-hmm. if you're paying attention, those nips are out. You know that it's a <laughs> she bear. You know that it's a fucking mama bear. Yeah, if even, you're paying attention in the from the get-go. That's a solid point. Yeah, and, and if that weren't enough, I mean, Homeboy kind of describes it when he gets sat on, you know, so. Which, there's no way that bear's vagina was near his ear. No, 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 no. That was definitely more of a, an exaggeration, if you will. <laughs> you know, he probably felt it on his back or something, maybe, but not on his his head or whatever he said it was. But, like, I noticed that the second time through. Like, the bear stands up, and I was like, oh, hey, those are those are titties. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah. But I, I didn't think that, that the Cubs were also going to be doing a bunch of coke. That is too that funny, was, man. Fucking, they look like polar bears. <laughs> that <laughs> shit cracked me up. But then I really didn't think that we were going to get a shot of them gnawing down on Ray Liotta's fucking guts. Dude, like I said, the moments that you see of the gore and whatnot, it's like, it's good, it's effective, but they don't do too much. They give you just enough. Mm-hmm. And I'm good with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. And that's coming from a couple gore hounds. Right. It's like, trust me, there's times where I want to see all the goods. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this is not necessarily that film. No, this, it's not set up to be that film. No, it's not. And the, that's, the, that, that's and not that, the mood. That's why I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. It's like it never built itself as that. I think maybe that's the big strength of this movie is that it kind of knows what it is and stays within those bounds. It doesn't do too much. Because here's the other thing. I already mentioned, like, I think it would have been easy to make a PG-13 version of this movie. I also think that this is already an absurd movie. They could have made it zany. And I wouldn't have wanted that, I don't think. No, I think... They could have made it cartoonish. And this edged on that a couple times, but never quite got there. I think it was um, well thought out. In terms of what she was saying earlier, what I mentioned was they wrote it more as a comedy and then dropped it into the genre of horror. And they gave us just enough as horror fans where it kept us in. For me, I can say this, and this is another good point she said. She's like, horror and comedy are kind of like, they're from both sides of the same coin, you know? Mm-hmm. like, And it makes sense. It's like, I love comedy and I love horror. And they both kind of teeter with the absurd you know, you can do absurd things in both. Right. And so this is a kind of a perfect vehicle for both. Like, they can blend together well. Yeah, and there's so many weird overlaps between those two genres. I know it's been talked about by people forever. Yeah, exactly. For Beyond many us. different reasons. They're, they're both about subverting expectations. In both of them, timing is very important. Absolutely. And when yeah. to stress certain things and to bring out certain emotions. And, um, yeah, you, you can explore a lot of different concepts within both those genres mm-hmm. as well that you can't do in other genres. You just can't. I yeah. mean, you can, but it's not going to be as effective. It's more acceptable to, 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 to push the line in those genres. Yeah, it's almost to be expected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which, funnily enough, I feel like, weirdly, horror is safer for that. Like, I feel like comedy yeah. it tends to age worse than horror does. It definitely does, because I th- even I the most say, transgressive yeah. horror movies don't age badly, I feel right. like, I mean, because you, they're already saying certain things are bad. Right, and I think because of the way they probably hide some of the social commentary within the film, 
it doesn't necessarily become the focal point. Whereas in comedy, you have to take it for what time period it's coming out in Mm -hmm. and think about the social context too. Like how receptive were people of this style of humor comparatively to today? Because it might not fly. Whereas horror, it's like, yeah, we kind of know. Whereas comedy, it's kind of, yeah, you have to be kind of in the now in order for it to be more effective. Which is strange to think in some in some regard. Okay, I gotta pop out one more criticism. I don't know how valid of a criticism it is, but just knowing the history of some of these things, it kind of stood out to me, and I don't know if it necessarily should, but being that this is a period piece, I'm not sure if Officer Reba would have been allowed to wear her hair as naturally in that time period in that job. No, definitely not down in Knoxville, Tennessee and all that stuff. No, dude. That was one thing that kind of I was like, it got my attention because I was like, her hair looks good. Yeah. But then I realized that's a natural style. And I then was like, oh, shit, this is a period piece. 1985 southeast you know i grew up down there mm-hmm. so i can tell you no and not, she's, not in a, she's in an official position right too. you're not you're not seeing that it would have been very i don't know it would have been very detail oriented you know what i mean like it has to be this it has to be that that goes for both mm-hmm. you know and that that was one thing where i'm like that's anachronistic and that's okay, and i'm not like, positive so not, but i'm like well, I, said, uh, I, mean, I feel ninety. Really, I feel like ninety-five percent sure. No, you're absolutely right, man. I I feel like said, unless you're a very like we were saying earlier, like we're we're picking out these minor details. It's, it doesn't distract from the film. It's just if you're paying attention to details, it's like yeah, that shit's gonna uh, it's gonna kind of stand out if you're really paying attention. But I, it, this is not that kind of film. No, no, shit. I'm trying to think what else. Like I just I dug the movie. I did. It too. was fun. I. I'm excited because I'll be watching it again decently soon, probably next weekend uh, with my girlfriend who hasn't seen it. She's been wanting to see it. We were supposed to watch it this weekend, but things happen. We weren't able to get together for it. So, and I think I'm going to enjoy it more watching it with even just one other person. Yeah. Because you're kind of feeding off of their experience as well. And it makes for a unique experience Mm -hmm. in that regard, you know? So, yeah, I'm interested in seeing or hearing what you have to say about that. Because of that, I'm going to say this is probably a perfect party movie. It really is. And, and I mean, I know that we say that about a number of movies, but I truly think oh. this is one that's just better served in its type of humor of appreciating totally, it with an audience. Totally right. It's one that you don't necessarily have to pay attention to everything and still is enjoyable. No, yeah. But I think having kids, too, that are capable and... Because it's comedic, they can say humorous things where they normally wouldn't in other genres and kind of get away with that kind of stuff, you know. So it makes it more entertaining to pay attention to what the hell's going on with them. Because normally be like, I don't give a shit about these fucking kids. Right. Kids were good. I, I really actually wish that there would have been more uh, DD in this movie. Yeah. It, which, I don't know, aside from, you know, just like the mirroring and all that other stuff in the film... She did good. I mean, she yeah. she played her part well. So can't can't say anything bad about anybody in the film in terms of their acting and all no. that other stuff. That was good. There were some surprise moments. I mean, not necessarily during this viewing, but when I initially saw it, like wasn't expecting Ponytail to get his fucking head blown out. Wasn't expecting Ranger Liz to be <clears throat> face dragged on the you know yeah <laughs> on the road stuff like that. Well, you know, there were certain moments like Peter getting eaten. Wasn't expecting the EMTs to be fucked up the way they got fucked up, but that's what makes it fun. And because it's it's so exaggerated, it's it's super loosely based <laughs> on true events. <laughs> so so it's like just knowing that, have fun with it. That's the whole point. You're supposed to have fun with films like this. They don't take themselves serious. Do you think they do a two? Ugh. If they do, I don't know what they would do with it. To be quite frank. I mean, with that ending, I just see it as a possibility. No, I mean, there could be, but I'm like, uh, if they do, cool. Don't get me wrong. Like, I I would totally be up for another one. I'm like, uh, you would really have to sell me on something kind of cool. I feel like you'd have to make it even more self-aware 
which once again might cross the line into zany, and I'm not sure if I want that out of this yeah. movie. But you could basically make it like Jaws for the Revenge. <laughs> yeah, here's something, if I'm not mistaken, they already have something like a co was it cocaine shark or some yeah. shit? Yeah, something like that. Right. It's because they found like all this meth gator. Yeah, I like uh <laughs> These are kind of, I hate to say perfect, but it is kind of a perfect vehicle for these styles of film. Yeah. Granted, like, drug culture and, you know, people are familiar with what wildlife can do under certain circumstances. Which is why next week we're covering Red Crocodile. I <laughs> know. <laughs> oh, no, no, we're not. <laughs> oh, not. <laughs> no, that's definitely, I w it's not a euphemism. Uh <laughs> It just means different things in different circles. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> so, no. But I'm curious because that does cap this current run of film, you know. It's fun, man. Like, seeing – and I was talking to somebody about this, too. It's like, normally we don't do blocks of, you know, animal-themed horror films. And it's not that we haven't done them. It's just we haven't done it in this style. And that's why it makes it fun and unique. We can kind of see – at least I have, too, with – How they're all kind of Jaws. Yes, they really are. And this one isn't any different in that regard because, once again, Elizabeth Banks said she wanted to make the bear the villain. It's like, you know, you're kind of, you know, the bad guys gave cocaine to a bear. Yeah. The bear's going to do what a bear's going to do. Once you're out of the bear's territory, it's not hunting you down. Yeah, it's not a threat. It's like, yeah, you're infringing on its territory and you gave it cocaine. What the fuck were you thinking? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? I, I mean, it's not a human. <laughs> it's, it's a bear. Right. And of course you amp it up to 11 as you mm -hmm. do in this style. And this is what you get out of it. So I'm okay with that. That's kind of what this film is anyway. So yeah, with that bear going to bear shark going to shark. Exactly. It's and like, this is what happens when you kind of toy with nature in it, in mm -hmm. a sense, you know, it's like, yeah, don't fuck around or else you'll find out. <laughs> and in that vein, Gator gonna Gator? I suppose. Is it, It's Gators in the next one, right? Not Crocs? I don't want to say yay or nay quite I'm yet. I'm going to look that up right now. I know. I, it might be Gator. <laughs> gators. Okay, the Gators. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's in Florida. It's Gators. Oh, damn. It's definitely Gators. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely Gators. <laughs> I just want... I thought that that's where it was at. Wasn't 100% sure. Okay, this has got to be fun, right? Barry Pepper, am I wrong? Right, yeah. Barry Pepper, directed by Alexander Aja. Oh, Aja, yeah, that's going to be fun. Crawl, 2019 natural horror film. I think this is the, the first one that isn't a hyphenate. The Meg was an action horror. Yeah. Cocaine Bear was a comedy horror. This one this is, is just a natural horror. horror. All right. Well, you know, that's kind of that's kind of neat, man, because we get in, uh, different flavors of this style of horror. I know me and you have, have been continually talking about this off mic. We <laughs> saw the trailers for this and we're like, okay, that exists. Aja, that's weird. Right. I know, right? And then when the movie actually dropped... You heard oh, nothing but good news. Nothing but good news. I'm like, okay. <clears throat> I'm intrigued now. At least in the circles we run in. But some of those people in those circles are very critical of some stuff. Yes. And even so, they were like, nah, Crawl's great. Right. And it's like you, you don't always have to subscribe to what people say or nothing like that. But but if they're hitting on certain, you know, similar, like, uh, things that resonate with you, and they're saying this kind of stuff about a film that, like, oh, kind of looks iffy, like, uh, I'm more willing to like, okay, let's give it a chance. And this one is like, ah, oh, dude, you're right. Uh, but all the names attached to it and the critical reception, this is going to be fun. It'll be interesting. But once again, I, I hope it's not like Bone Tomahawk. Right. Because <laughs> those same people talk up Bone Tomahawk. Right. And it's not like we don't dislike the movie. It's just I don't feel like it necessarily lived up to the hype it was receiving. 100%. Maybe one of the most overhyped movies I've seen in the More past recently, 20 years. And, like I said, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, I don't, for me, it just didn't, it didn't necessarily feel like it, it deserved that kind of no. reception. No. I mean, good for everybody involved. Don't get me wrong, but 
Yeah. So let's hope crawl breaks bucks the trend. Yeah, and then not that it's a trend. I guess it was only no, but, one, but. Yeah, it's it's a block, right? Yeah. We're on a block. Um, but then it, it leads us right into a continuation for us on the Patreon, which is going to be fun again. Next is the final chapter. Oh shit! Which was not the final chapter. No, as we learned, <laughs> not even close to being the final. No, chapter. I mean how we lived through all most. I mean, yeah, we're they're still doing stuff. So yeah, we've lived through all of them. Well, we're hitting some more for Friday the 13th. I get them confused from time to time, too. Don't get me wrong. Fuck weed, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, The easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. You can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. Not going to give you all those ads. So, with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.